Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Bastards of Boston Baseball. So tonight is essentially going to be part two of my previous extended rant on the last episode, which was pretty good if you haven't heard it. At least I thought it was pretty good based on the feedback. I'm actually going to refocus on an area that I touched on in that episode, but I don't feel like I've touched on it as thoroughly as I should have. And I've kind of had more developing thoughts since that episode was released. So just me with you again, this should be a much shorter episode here where it, you know, it's kind of just one large topic. So what I'm going to be getting into here is sort of a conspiracy theory. So by calling it that, I am just speculating. I have no sources on any of this. I'm just pointing out patterns and making observations. And if I'm right, I'm right. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. <laughs> but we'll we'll see how it goes. So what I'm getting at here is I think... Craig Breslow has probably a historically low amount of influence in that front office, given the nature of his position as chief baseball officer. And I'm growingly suspicious that perhaps Sam Kennedy is more influential in a lot of the baseball operations decisions than he's ever been in his career. Let's just dive into his background super quick. We're not going to spend a ton of time on it here, but um, 1995, he had an internship with the New York Yankees. He's presently uh, 50 years old, by the way. So has the internship there, um, also spent a period of time with two New York City radio stations, WABC and WFAN, two massive radio stations, and his focus there was advertising sales. He then hooks up with Larry Lucchino and goes to the San Diego Padres for really his first big baseball job. And he was essentially an account executive there. And this is all according to his Wikipedia page, by the way, which is, of course, always accurate. Not always, but should be close enough here. Uh, he also, you know, held other positions, um, you know, in their front office, more business related, nothing baseball related. And then when Larry Lacchino stepped down from the Red Sox several years later in 2015, Sam Kennedy was basically appointed as his replacement. And uh, let's see here. I was looking for uh, his exact title uh, when he came in. So... In 2017, he signed a five-year deal, so he'd already been with the Red Sox for two years at this point and um, was given the title of CEO and president. Again, this is during 
the Dombrowski era, and he was only focusing at that point on the business side of the Red Sox, not the baseball operations side. I just found out this next tidbit in the last several weeks, and it's kind of been noodling around in my head a little bit, and um, I'm surprised I wasn't aware of this previously. But in 2021, so almost three years ago, Fenway Sports Group announced that Kennedy had joined its ownership group and became a partner. Now, I've done a little bit of research here and can't find anything on how much stake he has uh, in the Red Sox or Fenway Sports Group for that matter. I'm guessing it's not a ton. But he's technically an owner now. So let's kind of rewind a little bit. He's got a lot of experience in the business side. He's been an account executive. So money is his language. And now he's an owner and has a true vested interest in the whole spectrum. The business side, the baseball side. I just I find that interesting. And so it's important to note that during the Dave Dombrowski era, Kennedy had very little to no influence. You didn't really, you didn't really see him that often. Occasionally he would make appearances on the radio, on Nesson, but that was the Dave Dombrowski show and he was the ultimate authority when it came to roster decisions at times, I think in 2017, they basically forbade him to go over the luxury tax. So he wasn't able to do it. Uh, He went over it massively the next year with, uh, you know, additions of, of JD Martinez and, um, you know, a couple other guys, he acquired Chris sale, you know, who was making, you know, decent money at the time. And, you know, so Kennedy wasn't, there was no way he was really influencing any of the baseball operations decisions at that point. And uh, another thing too, that kind of, it's kind of noodling in my head a little bit. Dave Dombrowski was the president of baseball operations. That was his title. And the GM under him uh, for part of his tenure here was Mike Hazen. And I don't think once Hazen left to go basically be the president of baseball ops of the Diamondbacks, I don't think think anyone ever came in as the GM Dombrowski it was just vacant and Dombrowski handled business and and then Heim gets hired and he's the chief baseball officer now that sounds cool it sounds like a you know a, you know it's kind of a almost a gimmicky title chief baseball officer but for some reason to me it doesn't sound nearly as executive as president of baseball operations. That's just, uh, it's just how, how I feel about it. That's my read on it. There's no other chief baseball officer in major league baseball that I'm aware of. 
So I, I just find that a little bit different. Now, when Bloom got hired in 2019, Sam Kennedy led the process. And by process, he only spoke to Hein Bloom. That was Hein Bloom was the only interview that was had at any point after Dombrowski got fired and then Bloom was offered the, the gig and, and became, like I said, the chief baseball officer. And from that point forward, Sam Kennedy was far more vocal about the operations side and far more visible. Now, the influence is up for debate. Was he influencing a lot of what Heim was doing? Was he creating parameters that Heim Bloom couldn't exceed? I don't know. I don't know. Before Bloom got fired, I focused entirely on Bloom, put it all on him. Like I said, I kind of have to be open-minded here um, as to whether Bloom was limited uh, to some degree. Now, I I don't know I don't know if he really was because like I said he was over the luxury tax in 2022. So that was year 3 of his tenure. Over the luxury tax. So that tells me there wasn't there wasn't a hard mandate not to cross it and he had he had the opportunity to get under it at that trade deadline chose not to. So I don't know. I don't know if there were roadblocks in there for Bloom or not, but but we did hear Kennedy being extremely vocal, and when they said they were going to take a slow approach to to building this team and they weren't going to make big sexy splashes, both of them were were giving that sentiment uh, in interviews to the beat writers. So it's really tough to know here what the influence of, of Kennedy really is. Now, eventually, Bloom does get fired. And almost immediately, within a handful of days, Brian O'Halloran, who was the GM of the Red Sox under Bloom, now... GM is kind of a meaningless title. It used to be when you were the GM, you were the guy. You know, you were the Theo Epstein. You were the Brian Cashman of the front office. Now it's just you're just an, an assistant to whoever the president of baseball ops or chief baseball officer is. So that's the position that Brian O'Halloran had, GM. Now, a handful of days after Bloom got fired, Sam Kennedy either appointed or promoted. I don't know which way we need to look at that, but he basically put the title of vice president of baseball operations on Brian O'Halloran. That sounds like a guy who's probably going to have a ton of influence if that's his title. And then it became pretty clear that Eddie Romero Raquel Ferreira and Mike Groupman were going to basically stay on as assistant GMs. Now, Eddie Romero handles the international signings. 
you know, so in international scouting too, I should say. So he's responsible for finding, you know, the players in the Caribbean, uh, Venezuela as well, I believe, and uh, some other countries. And, you know, so he brought in Devers and Bayo and, you know, so that that's all on Eddie Romero. And I think Raquel Ferreira handles the business side of it. Don't quote me on that. And I have no idea what Mike Groupman is other than he's an assistant GM. So all four of those people, O'Halloran, Romero, Groupman, Ferreira, were staying. Regardless of, of who the next chief baseball officer would be. Now, uh, going back to my notes, I'm going to read the 10 names. I'm not going to do the extended uh, take on where they're from, what their roles are again, but I just want to read the 10 names real quick uh, from the other episode. These 10 people declined to even interview with the Red Sox, weren't even interested. Uh, those 10 people were Brandon Gomes, Sam Fold, Kim Ang, Michael Hill, John Daniels, Derek Falvey, Chris Antonetti, Mike Hazen, Emil Sade, and James Quick. Now, if you're a hardcore baseball fan, you're pretty familiar with at least half of those names. Now, if you're a casual fan in the audience and you know you follow us, and, and we love you for it, trust me. Just, just believe me that these these are some heavy hitters. Any one of these guys is is really bright at what they do and would be a major force in a big market front office if they were the top baseball guy. Every single one of them, it, it's unprecedented to see such a lack of interest. And you're not gonna you're not gonna bring your own guys with you because Sam Kennedy has already essentially blocked that by keeping all those other people in those positions. And then the guys that did interview. Neil Huntington, who was with the Pirates, did a terrible job, got fleeced on a couple of key trades, got fired in 2019, hasn't, hasn't had a, a baseball job since, or at least a, a notable one. Another guy, Gabe Kapler, who's had some controversies, you know, behind the scenes uh, in regards to players, hasn't done well as a manager. And but does have a, a background in player development. I think that was with the Dodgers, but still not a sexy name, not a sexy name, uh, not a guy who's going to walk in and be the top baseball guy in the front office. And then I, I think Mike Groupman uh, interviewed. So did Eddie Romero. And then uh, Craig Breslow emerged. I mean, these weren't the sexiest of names. This wasn't, you weren't getting another Dave Dombrowski type guy. And a couple of those guys, or maybe three or four of them, you know, are almost of that level. But they weren't interested because it was going to be the same old holdovers. Now, let's look at it this way. Breslow has no experience really from the from the operations side. He was an assistant GM 
in Chicago, which sounds good, but he only focused on pitching development. And he did a very good job at it, by the way. But but he's not he's coming into a front office where all these other guys are more experienced than him and have had a front row seat to a ton of history. I think if I'm not mistaken, O'Halloran, Ferreira and Romero have been here the whole time since before 2004. So, how much how much leverage does a guy like Breslow really have when he walks into a room and all those guys are in there? I feel like and I'm speculating. I I can't stress that enough. You know, but I I just can't foresee that Breslow has a ton of influence. I think he has a historically low amount of intra, uh, influence with that group of people. And I get loyalty. You know, that's that's an important thing. But eventually you have to move on. You're never truly going to have a fresh mindset if... 80% of your front office had worked for the last several GMs. You need to be able to bring in your own guys and, and evolve. And that's not what's happening here. I, and then look at the trends. It's exactly the same. It's exactly the same as the bloom era, a bunch of underwhelming moves Small market moves, dumpster diving. That's all we've done, as a matter of fact, is dumpster dive. Tyler O'Neill, completely worthless. Say what you want about Alex Verdugo. Yeah, he had some disciplinary issues, said some dumb things immediately when getting to New York, but you're not you're not replacing him. He's gonna hit tons of doubles and he's not gonna strike out. He's a hard guy to replace. And he can hit anywhere in your lineup. You can lead him off. You can hit him second. He hit very well out of the five hole. You can put him anywhere. He's like a Swiss army knife in that lineup. And we're not, we're, we're not going to... Not only did we not upgrade Alex Verdugo, we didn't even adequately replace him. And if you go back to April or May when he was hitting those walk-off home runs, he hit at least a couple of them. I, I think it was at least three of them. And so many people at that time wanted him to, to have an extension. You would see it on the Twitter threads, like extend Alex Verdugo. He was a very popular guy the first couple of months of the season. Until suddenly he wasn't. He got benched for showing up late. And it just kind of cascaded from there a little bit. But he was a popular guy that Red Sox fans valued. We're not getting that. Tyler O'Neill for Alex Verdugo. I know they were technically two separate transactions. But that's that's Hunter, Hunter Renfro for Jackie Bradley all over again. It is, and it's going to blow up in our face. Cooper Criswell, another dumpster dive type thing. Here's another thing that just developed today, and it was reported by Chris Henrique. He writes for himself. Uh, 
on uh, beyondthemonster.com. If I misgave the website there, I apologize. But his blog definitely is Beyond the Monster. Apparently, the Red Sox are looking to trade a bullpen arm for more pitching depth in the minors. And the exact example was similar to the Alex Verdugo deal when we got Richard Fitz and a couple of other guys that were so, so insignificant. I don't even remember their name. Richard Fitz, that's going to be an all-time name in Boston, especially if he finds a way to make that rotation or become a viable bullpen arm because he's going to be Dick Fitz. But anyway, so the name that was mentioned is Kenley Jansen for some young controllable pitching similar to the Alex Verdugo deal. That's what the tweet read. So you're making your team weaker again. And for the record, I'm okay with trading Jansen. I do think we have bullpen depth, but I, I want to win now. I want it to be a win now guy. If that's your second baseman, or perhaps a uh, one second, my computer's unplugged. Sorry for the pause there. Um, my battery was about dead, and if it shut off, I would have lost everything. Um, but getting back into it, if you're trading out, uh, excuse me, if you're trading Kenley Jansen, you better be getting a, you know, a, a win now type player, whether that's your second baseman, a middle of the rotation type guy, you know, for a team that has a lot of, uh, pitching depth, or maybe, maybe you do get an outfielder or a right-handed hitter for DH. Give, give us somebody that is going to be an investment in 2024, but we're not doing that. We're not winning now. We're not acting like a big market. That's infuriating. And if you do trade Kenley Jansen, you're freeing up $16 million. That's most of a Jordan Montgomery contract, uh, you know, annually. He, he He's going to get somewhere between 20 and 25, I'm thinking. So, if there's no there's no way on earth you you shouldn't be in the Jordan Montgomery sweepstakes if you're freeing up 16 million by trading Jansen there's no way so it's frustrating and and getting back to it i just it's it's exactly the same as the bloom era there's no difference whatsoever so when you're looking at that, you know, you need to look at the patterns. Well, 80% of the front office is still the same as the Bloom era. So maybe they're really heavily influencing the decisions instead of Breslow. And, and maybe, maybe Sam Kennedy thinks he's a baseball guy now. And, and, and maybe all of these decisions have to go through him or, Maybe he's presenting certain options and the rest of the front office has to go with it. But I don't believe for one second. And again, I'm speculating. <laughs> you know, I don't don't come at me with legal action because I'm speculating. I'm trying to make sense of this massive dumpster fire. But 
the one constant is all those other guys that, that were there before Breslau. And it's, it's exactly the same. There's no commitment to winning whatsoever. This team is getting destroyed on social media. It seems like the beat writers are starting to turn a little bit. I don't think they're going to go full send like the rest of us are, but I, I don't think the, the press that the Red Sox are going to be getting from them is going to be, you know, what they want. It's not going to be warm and fuzzy. And I just, it's frustrating to me. Here's another thing that bothers me. When Sam Kennedy was doing his post-Bloom firing press conference and kind of outlining what their search might look like, this was before he got rejected 10 times at least, by the way, by those 10 names I, I read off to you. The, the one thing he said about Alex Cora's status was, I think he'll be back, but it's ultimately going to be up to the incoming chief baseball officer. And that sounded good. I like that. I thought, okay, well, it should be. It should always be up to, to that particular executive. But then maybe a couple weeks later, if that, Sam Kennedy said, actually, actually, you know what? Alex Cora will be back next year. So he's already kind of backtracked on that and made that decision for the next chief baseball officer. So, I, I mean, I could just imagine, you know, as Alex Cora, uh, excuse me, as Sam Kennedy is, is calling Brandon Gomes and John Daniels and, and Kim Ang, he's, he's probably telling them like, yeah, you know, we're interested in you, but you're not going to fire my boys. You're not going to fire Brian O'Halloran or Eddie Romero. Those are my boys. They're staying. And, you know, guess who else is my boy? Alex Cora. So, I mean, how does that sound to, to all those executives? It just doesn't, it just doesn't make a ton of sense. I'm just looking through my notes here. I think I'm about through it, but it, it just sounds to me like Breslow, he's the guy they ended up with. He was the guy that was willing to accept the terms and conditions that a guy like Kennedy was going was gonna to make him agree to. And, and here's the other crazy thing, too. All those guys, not Kennedy, but at least O'Halloran, Romero, and Ferreira, they all have three, uh, four rings. Excuse me. They all have four rings. That's a lot of experience. That's a lot of front row seats for observing history and, and hopefully taking note of it along the way and becoming smarter executives. But you just have this five or six year run of just incompetence. <laughs> that's the pattern here. That's the pattern. And I don't know how the Breslow era is going to go. I, I, my expectations are very low for 2024. I'm not ready to say we're out of the playoffs yet, but if Paxton comes in, that's probably going to be the tipping factor. 
Uh, I'm going to be, I'm going to say most likely out of the playoffs because you're probably only getting one more pitcher, um, you know, aside from him. And there's no reason to expect it's going to be Montgomery or Snell. The, you know, the bar is just set so low. So most likely we're out of the playoffs. And then, you know, I'll, I'll make a final determination probably in late January, like I always do. We typically give our projected win totals around then. But I just, I don't know. Like, what if we're bad again? Do they... Do they pull the plug on Breslow? I mean, I don't see how they could do that. The optics would be terrible. I think the only way you could do that is if they fire everybody. They clean house like they probably should have this time. And that's hard to do because, like I said, you know, loyalty is a powerful thing, but you have to evolve. You have to evolve and, and make tough decisions. That's part of you know, being in a front office or being an owner of a prestigious sports franchise, you have to make those decisions. And uh, so I, I don't know. I don't know how I, it's hard to imagine. There's going to be a ton of change. Can it, I think Sam Kennedy is a very powerful guy in that front office. I think ownership trusts him and I don't think he's a smart baseball guy. I, I I don't think he should be anywhere near any discussions. I think there should be a smart group of baseball nerds that are up and coming that, you know, understand the current trends, uh, potentially some that might be innovative. I, I don't think anything out of the the current group of guys is going to be you know, it's going to be groundbreaking. There's no reason to, to suggest that. And I just, I don't know. I don't know what it's going to take, but it's, it's hard to, to not be, it's hard to not be frustrated with the direction here. And it would be nice if there was more transparency. Let me also point out another thing here. This kept popping into my mind and I, I just, I hadn't gotten to it, but it, I'm guessing here that most of those executives turned on Bloom at some point. I, I think it was a big collaborative group and then the failures started to mount and I think Bloom was just kind of abandoned, uh, you know, in the last few months and out he went. I mean, that's a tough look, especially if you're one of those executives that they're trying to reach out to. They fire him, but everybody else keeps their jobs. Like, how do you how do you have the confidence that you're going to walk into that door? I'm assuming the offices are right at Fenway. And that you're going to start handling business your way without anybody stepping on you. It's just hard to, hard to imagine. But Breslow was apparently their 11th best choice. And that, that's what happened. So on that, I will wrap. And uh, we'll hopefully be back in uh, a, another day or two to 
cover some type of development, uh, whether that's Teoscar Hernandez. Um, not a ton of um, building momentum behind him, but we're we're still linked to him in some way. Apparently, the Dodgers are now too. So, oh baby, um, and uh, yeah, maybe maybe a pitching move finally happens. But maybe we'll get weaker, too. I mean, that's that's the way things have been trending as well. So anyway, you, you can obviously tell I'm frustrated. And uh, I'm sure a lot of you guys are, too. So everybody have a, uh, a good Tuesday. Take care.